It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, Anto, yes! Touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday. Busy night last night. We had Region 11 teams involved in the first round of the 4A Girls Soccer Playoffs. We had the final night in the regular season for Region 11 football. And so so we last hour recapped those and what's on, on tap. We're going to be covering the second round of Girls Soccer Playoffs for at least a couple of teams. The Ridgeline Riverhawks hosting the Skyview Bobcats Saturday 1 o'clock and Mountain Crest Mustangs hosting the Logan Grizzlies also Saturday at 1 o'clock. If you can't make it to those games, we're going to have a full play-by-play live video stream available on CashValleyDaily.com. Yep. Really excited to see that uh, play out and to cover those games. Now, there is one other game taking place in Cash Valley on Saturday and that'll be number four, Green Canyon, hosting number five, Desert Hills. Uh, but we just were a little shorthanded with staff and had to uh, decide which games we're going to cover. And unfortunately, the other two feature teams that are facing each other from around here. So they're going to win out. Yeah. And obviously, they're also the, the, the two best teams yes. playing in those games. Uh, not only in from around here, but in the state in terms of 4A. So... Some really good soccer to be played on Saturday, and we'll have it mostly all covered. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. But uh, So anyway, that'll be fun on Saturday. If you can't make it, we'll have full coverage on CashValleyDaily.com. Uh, also, the, we're at the midway point for the Utah State football season. They are 2-4, and four, six games in the books, six games to go. Uh, love to get your thoughts and your reactions as we're at the midway point. What kind of a midterm grade... Would you give these uh, these Utah State Aggies so far at this point of the season? Uh, Jason and I, we went through kind of position by position, uh, but we haven't given an overall team grade, and we haven't graded the coaches yet. And so if you want to weigh in on that, feel free, 435-339-0321. And for the coaches, uh, I'm going to give a C plus. On coaching, just that uh, it seems like we didn't kind of figure out who this team really was until week five, and even then it was a little slow and not full, and so we really didn't get a, f- a complete game from this team until week six. So I think you know that's you've had a lot of a lot of time to figure out who this team is and make adjustments. And so I'm a little, a little down on the coaches that it took them this long to figure out who they are to a degree where they could play a complete game. So for that, I give them a C plus. I still give them some credit for understanding the the the, 
the struggles and pitfalls and shortcomings that they had and eventually finding ways to overcome them. But, eh, C-plus just feels right. Yeah, so I, I went ahead and tried to give coaching grades to Anthony Tucker and Bonda and even Blake Anderson. Oh, okay. So I went a little further, and I'm torn as to where to put the overall coaching one because for me, defense, even Bond, just like it's a straight-up B. Like, I don't think he's had a bad game in terms of his defensive game plan, in terms of what he's put together. Uh, and I can agree with that. Yeah. And some of the challenges of the defense are imposed by other aspects of the team. Yeah. Like, you look at you look at UConn. Okay, to start off, not good. But for three quarters, defense controlled the game after that. Against Alabama, they caused some... Hardships against Alabama eventually kind of folded. Not terribly unexpected, and the, the offense wasn't helping. But uh, they looked like they were engaged and trying to affect the game with how they could. Yeah, and, and one of the things I pointed out was how they, on designed runs, they were actually doing pretty good outside of, like, one play. Um, Weber State, um, again, some, some of that was just the turnovers on the offense forced them into bad positions. Same thing with UNLV, where the defense was showing out at times. I think if I remember right, the Reaper State game, they had like three turnovers or something like that. So they were making things happen. The offense just wasn't helping. Um, and then UNLV, kind of a similar situation where they were just put in bad situations, made good things out of some of those bad situations, but just couldn't keep up with some of the offense, just constantly giving the ball away. Then you look at BYU, first half, really good. Second half, iffy at times, but still overall solid against the 19th ranked team in the country. And then... Air Force, probably the master class of the defense so far in terms of adjusting properly and just making plays when they matter most. Not necessarily shutting down the opponent because they didn't really shut down Air Force, but they did what they needed to do. And obviously the offense does what they need to do, so they finally you know get a win. Um, but as far as the offense, I'd give them like a D plus. Like Anthony Tucker, I'm sorry, you just not done well this year. You did well against Air Force, and that's pretty much the in maybe for like the first half of BYU, those are like the only good grades I can give to the offense. So it's better. It's not an F, but it's not good. And then for Blake Anderson, just the fact this team wasn't ready to start the year, he had the moment where he kind of lashed out at fans, and overall I'd give him a C minus. Hmm. He's getting there. The process is working. But that rough start hurts him as a coach, where we began questioning his ability to, to lead a team and to establish a good culture. The fact that he's starting to do that now gets him back toward passing territory. And so I'm not sure where that puts the overall coaching. I'm looking at my grades, and they feel like they're inconsistent, where like if I break it down individually, I'm liking what some of the things individually, but they don't match up with the fact that this is a 2-4 and four team. But overall, I'd probably give coaching maybe a C-. minus where defense is doing a lot of the work here, but they're still, because they're 2-14, and 14, because there's been some mistakes, just below passing. Uh, on, the, on Twitter, at Somson7, the, the good point, says C overall, but getting better, and adds this, no one else has mentioned it, but the special teams has been a solid A. They are very good. I don't know that I'd give them a solid A, um, I, I, but I'd give them an A minus, maybe a B plus. They'd certainly have the uh, the return for a touchdown that was big. The there was the uh, the the fake punt on a 
uh, to, on fourth down that was converted and worked. Uh, I think been pretty solid in the field goal game and PATs. So, yeah, I think it's been a solid unit for Utah State. I don't know if I'd give it an A. I could but I'd give, give it, it an A minus. I, I think it's pretty strong. I think the thing is every unit's been good, even above average. You mentioned the kick return touchdown, punt returns. Solid. Cooper Jones is returning them pretty well just about every time, and they're blocking for him well, and so he's got lanes to run in. They have two blocked punts this season. True. So that's another thing. Um, and then, obviously, the kickoff specialists, they've been kicking it into the end zone just about every time. That's probably the weakest one where they've given up a couple of big returns. Nothing huge. Constantly's been mostly good. He has had a few yeah. questionable punts. but And that's maybe where you might try the – drive the grade down a little bit to an A minus where constantly really struggled in some situations where he just wasn't doing well. But that, I think that was mostly isolated to the Alabama game. So you can maybe live with that. But pretty much every unit has been not just passing, but well above that in a lot of areas, you know, making an actual difference. Cause that's how you can measure whether or not your special teams is good or bad is, are they making a difference? You know, are you just fair catching every punt? Are you just, you know, having a touchback on every kick return? You know, those kind of things. Or, you know, if they're bad, are you muffing punts? Are you having kicks blocked and, you know, things like that? You know, are you making your field goals? Are you making your PATs? You know, and if you're going beyond that, then you can give yourself an A, and Utah State's done that, where they have points on special teams. Uh, you know, points on the kickoff return and on the, you know, blocked punts. So... They are making a real difference in the positive. And so that's why A is – it's always hard to just give a straight-up A because you feel like that's, like, perfect. It needs to be exceptional. Yeah. But it's been exceptional at times. That's why I feel like I wouldn't argue too much against somebody giving that. I might drift more towards the A- minus because it's not been flawless. But honestly, I don't have a problem with them saying the special teams has been an A. Yeah, it has been solid, and I'm, I'm glad you uh, brought that up and reminded us to uh, to mention them. Uh, 5860 texting in, we need to set the measuring stick. If the goal is a bowl game or to win the conference, we have C so far with a lot of makeup to do so we don't fail. If the goal was to be ranked, we have a D. I think the thing is the Utah State did a lot of extra credit in the Air Force game, and so they've made up that's the thing if, if you in terms of the measuring stick of like are where are they in terms of their preseason expectation well if that's the measuring stick they're at a d plus yeah d plus d minus maybe definitely falling short uh if you're talking about what if they just took a midterm test right now what would their grade be their grade would probably be like a b minus or a b so it's like what are we that you know that's why my initial grades and I've kind of talked myself down on several of them where it's like, okay, I do have to take into account that the team is two and four. But, you know, again, if they took a midterm test right now, which that Air Force game kind of was, maybe call that their midterm test, and they passed. So it's like, again, that's why these grades are kind of iffy. It's why they're kind of good conversation where we acknowledge this team was bad, but they're a lot better, at least looking a lot better. And this Colorado State game, one of the big things for that is, how much those improvements are real. If they beat Colorado State 14-13, then I'm throwing that Air Force game out the window as a fluke, and we're starting all over. Yeah, that's fair. If they win that game 45-10, I'm going to start believing. 5-8-7-9. Early team under injured Bonner, I'd give a D. Since the Lega takeover, I'd say B+. 
Okay. Uh, and I think that's pretty fair. Um, yeah. So it's right, pretty fair. We're grading based off the two terms, the first three games and the last three games. And it's like tale of two teams really in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's very true. Five three three eight. What grade did you guys give the defensive secondary? Seems like they've been the most disappointing position group this year. Also, any injury update on Switzer? Is he on track to be back before the end of the season? Uh, so first, or last question first. Um, I have not heard anything on Switzer. What I heard initially is that he would be they anticipated that he would be out for the entire season. And then they would get him back for next spring. But, again, that's been a long time. I haven't heard anything more recent than that. I think there was an offhand reference that he could maybe be ready by the end of the year. But I think with the way the year's been going, don't risk it. Just play him next year. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Robert Turbin many years ago where he recovered from his injury and he probably could have played the last two games of the season. But at that point, Coach Gary Anderson was like, "Now nah, let's just – I mean, you've missed this much time. Let's call it a full redshirt year. Keep working out. Keep building strength, and you'll come back next year and be a menace. And boy, was he ever! <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, and obviously nobody's really asked about Switzer, and Blake's obviously had no reason to talk about him. Hasn't brought him up. So no. we've had no further updates. Wouldn't really expect one. But then to the the first question about the secondary. So my grade on them was a little bit harsher than yours, Jason, but uh, I gave them a C. Um, I, there was a, a unit that looked like it was going to have some of the most depth and experience in that in all of the defense. Uh, they have made some good plays with some takeaways and some uh, contested passes, but I f- also feel like they've kind of let us down a few times and let some things get by them. That they, that they shouldn't. So I gave him a C, but you were a little more favorable to the secondary. Yeah, see, I gave him a B- minus where, you know, some of your best players in the secondary. Johnny Carter's been great. Hunter Reynolds has, again, been one of the best tacklers on the team. They're the ones who have made the turnovers for the most part. Like, most of the turnovers belong to the secondary, including the forced fumbles. And the most impactful turnovers of this year have all come from the secondary. Ike and, Larson got a takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, and Ike Larson, he's... Basically, he's like the sixth man on a, on a team where it's like he's making tons of plays, but he's barely playing at all. It's kind of weird where he's one of the most impactful defenders and he plays like 15 snaps a game. A lot of those on special teams. But, again, the, 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 def- the secondary has been okay in terms of their overall performance. Um, there have been some issues in defending the pass, and, and that's why the grade's not, like, higher. Um but I think there's very few issues on this defense that you can pin on the secondary, and they've played above their station with forcing the turnovers. So I think that's why they get, you know, a solid B-. minus. They improve, you know, don't have so many holes in the passing game that teams are just finding wide open at times. Then you have a, a secondary that, in my opinion, is bordering on an A. Yeah, if I were to say, you know, which position group has been the most disappointing so far this season, I wouldn't put it on the secondary. I think I'd put it on the wide receivers. Yeah. Like, very isolating, it's just, just deep. Well, I guess, did he say the whole team or just the defense? Uh, just. Yeah, just position group. So, yeah. Position group. Yeah, I, I'd agree that the wide receivers has to be the most disappointing. Secondary has come decently close to meeting at least my expectations, I guess. The defensive line is part of the team that's met my expectations the most, where 
injuries have really been the only thing that dragged down my thoughts about them now. Um, and then the linebackers, I'd say they're the most disappointing, but I didn't have many expectations to begin with. So they haven't. <laughs> Honestly, they've almost exceeded my expectations, to be perfectly honest. It's a hard, it's a low bar to clear. Uh, five, eight, seven, nine. I'd say we go on a four-game run. Then we'll go one and one over the Boise San Jose State stretch. How do you guys think we'll do the rest of the season? Um, if you put a gun to my head, I say we probably still only go five and seven. There's two big question marks still in my mind. And this week might help move the needle one way or the other, but going to Laramie will be tough. And then I don't know that they can pick up both, or, or, or I don't think they can split San Jose and Boise State. Uh, if they can beat San Jose, or excuse me, beat Wyoming, then that's less important that they split that because I think they can win all their other games. So... For me, it really comes down to that game in Laramie. Whether See, I, or not they're going to be bowl eligible. Say I give Utah State at least a puncher's chance in every single one of their remaining games. Sometimes just barely a puncher's chance, and in some games much more than that. You know, the Colorado States, the New Mexico's, and and uh, even Wyoming maybe kind of between the San Jose State, Boise State, and Colorado State, New Mexico games. So... I do think that two more wins, at least, probably three. You know, where they beat Colorado State, they beat New Mexico. I guess they're also playing Hawaii, too. So yeah. it's like those are three. That's where I say, okay, you're probably getting to get to at least five wins. And then at that point, I very much think a six, sixth win is possible because I think out of Boise State, San Jose State, and Wyoming, I'd give them goods odd at finding a win in one of those games. Probably more likely Wyoming or San Jose State. You know, because Wyoming's not quite as good of a team, and San Jose State's a game that's at home. Boise State, I just with the history and how much Utah State struggled against them, I have a hard time seeing them having that be. Especially in Boise? Yeah. So it's like, I think this team can win six. I wouldn't bet on them getting past six. Um, Six might be the maximum at this point. For yeah. me, five or six, depending on how optimistic you are in the moment. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, I just was looking up to see if it's changed, but it hasn't. Uh, and take it for what it is, but the ESPN, they have their own little uh, predictor for every game on your schedule of uh, who they think is going to win. And they've they've got Wyoming at a 67% chance of victory in that game. Yeah, that's about right, where I'd give Wyoming the edge. Utah State's really struggled in Wyoming. They've struggled against Wyoming, just period, home or away. And so to think that this team would be the one to overcome that, maybe. Last year's team probably dropped because they were getting too big for their britches. Um, and maybe this team holds on to that underdog mindset for a while, a, l- a little bit longer um, than last year's team did, where they kind of had to you know, find that underdog mindset again after getting beat up a little bit. Uh, by the way, uh, this broke uh, just, a, just a few hours before we came on the air, but another defection, another player quitting on the Colorado State Rams. Defensive lineman Devin Phillips announced today that he's going to transfer and that he's, he's quitting on the team. 
Um, it, it just there's just really something weird going on there in Colorado State with Jay Norvell. Whatever he's doing is not setting well with a lot of those guys. Uh, he says that uh, David Phillips went to social media today to announce it. He says, I'll be using my redshirt year and have officially entered my name into the transfer portal as a grad transfer, which technically he can't officially enter his name into the portal until December, but whatever. Um, so this is uh, <laughs> just one more player that that's leaving. And this isn't just some scrub. Right, some guy who didn't play. This is one of the defensive front guys who made an impact for them. Yeah, this, you know, for all the talk of Utah State struggles based on our expectations of them, you know, us thinking they were going to go eight and four, maybe even nine and three. Colorado State may have to be one of the all-time meltdowns in this conference because they were a team that got a first-place vote for the Mountain Division. There was a human being in this universe that thought Colorado State was going to win the Mountain Division this year. And Colorado State is 0-5. Has one of the worst offenses. No, they're, they got one. They beat Nevada. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. They're 1-4, excuse me. Yeah. Or, yeah, so. Yeah, and they scored zero. Well, I guess they scored three offensive points in that one win. Their offense hasn't scored a touchdown in six quarters. Like, they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. They are really bad. Uh, also... Colorado State wide receiver Melquan Stovall entered the transfer portal today. Was he their leader? Ha- or? 121 catches for over 1,000 yards during his time with Nevada and Colorado State. So Horton, Horton's the guy who's leading. Horton's like the one positive they have on their offense right now. Stovall's so, like their third leading receiver. On Monday, it was Garrick Robinson, who was a wide receiver, defensive back, Taiwan Francis, who's in the top 10 in the conference in tackles. Uh, 32 tackles, two passes broken up. He's, he's a good defensive back. Last week, it was another defensive back, Robert Floyd, who hadn't done a lot this year but was an impact player a year ago. Uh, earlier in the season, wide receiver Dante Wright. And now they've got another wide receiver, Melquan Stovall, and a defensive lineman, Devin Phillips. I... I can't think of a time where I've seen that many players quit on their team uh, at this point in the season. Like that's that's a lot. Like Utah State I mean, didn't even have that many. I mean, granted, the whole team quit on the last game, but that that was a different thing. That was there were different circumstances there. So it mean, wasn't an what exodus. Is, is the pressure starting to dial up on Jay Norvell and his coaching staff? It might. It's yeah. He he might not. You know, last beyond like the end of the season, if it's this bad, you know, it's a culture thing. It's a you know, it was, you know, in in college football, you are very responsible for the culture and in building a program. And if this is what's going on in your program, there's something horribly, horribly, horribly wrong, and needs to be fixed. And it usually starts with the head coach, because at least at that point, you can just say fresh start. Wow. Crazy. Uh, so we got more texts coming through. We'll get to those. We'll give uh, you know, some more thoughts on that. We got the uh, Utah State women's basketball involved in the Mountain West preseason media day, and their preseason poll came out. 
what are they saying about the Utah State Aggies? And uh, we also got uh, want to give an update on old Namiish Keta and Sam Merrill, how they're doing for the Kings, an update on how they've been doing in their preseason games. It's all coming up next on the Full Court Press. You can't beat fall in Utah. The weather is perfect for a getaway. Get out and drive a new Murdoch Hyundai with 1.9% for three years on Santa Fe, Kona, or Sonata. And every new Hyundai comes with America's best warranty, a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty, and owner's assurance. When you walk through our doors, you feel like family. At Murdoch Hyundai in Logan, Linden, and Murray or online at MurdochHyundai.com. Call 866-628-3065 for dealer for complete details. Offer expires 11-1-22. Clean it up and get it out before the snow flies. Don't wait another winter. Let DD Auto and Salvage pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage in Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. Crystal Vision, the two-time gold medal winner in Best of Northern Utah, just got back from a Las Vegas buying show. They were able to see and buy the newest eyeglass frames, styles, and trends for 2023. Stop in today and check out what's new in the eyeglass frame world. Remember to take in your current prescription and let Crystal Vision fit you into a new look. Nobody has the style and fashion to choose from like Crystal Vision on 14th North or online at crystalvision.com. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart. Hey, Aggie fans. Looking for the best burger in town? Bring the family to Prodigy Brewing and try out our signature Prodigy Supreme Burger or a wood-fired pizza. Need a smaller plate for the kids? Our kids' menu has you covered. Whether you are out with the family or just want to catch the Aggies game with friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Utah State football is taking on Colorado State on Saturday. And who will even dress for the Rams is a mystery between injuries and players quitting on the team. Um... That could be one of the slight challenges for Utah State on Saturday. Now, the game starts at 5 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. We'll have pregame coverage here on The Fan and sister station KVNU starting at 3.30. And then as soon as the game is over, we'll be back on the air again with Aggie Call, taking your calls and your comments about uh, what took place in Fort Collins. Um, but there's also something fun taking place on Friday night. Friday night, Utah State Hockey is hosting Weber State. Big-time rivalry game. Uh, It'll be taking place in Logan. It's going to be their teddy bear toss. 
So after the first goal is scored by the Aggies, everybody can just throw a stuffed animal onto the ice. It's really cool. It's really fun. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. I know there was one game where it took a long time for the <laughs> the goal to be scored. But it was like the third period, I think, and they finally scored a goal. Oh. But it was a tight game. Like, neither team, I think, had scored. So it was – which is a little unusual for hockey. Usually you're getting, you know, 5-4 or something like that. Usually a fun contest between Utah State and Weber State. There's no love lost between these two programs. But we've got four tickets to go see Utah State take on Weber State Friday night. And uh, we're not just going to give them away. You have to earn them. Yeah, gotta got to be paying attention. So if you win them, make sure you take a stuffed animal with you for their teddy bear toss. And those teddy bears get rounded up, and then they're donated to uh, local charitable causes. But uh, to win these four tickets to go see Utah State Club Hockey take on Weber State, Jason, how do they win? So they got to answer this trivia question. Now, if you're following the stuff that I'm writing for Cash Valley Daily, you may have the answer to this question in the back of your mind. Um, one of the points that I pointed out in my Colorado State preview is that the Rams own arguably the worst offense in FBS. That's a tad subjective, but one of the reasonings I used is that they are dead last in the FBS. Out of 131 teams, they are like 131st in six different offensive categories. So if you can call in and name one of those six, then you can come away with these tickets. Okay, so 435-752-1069. Name one of those six categories in which Colorado State is dead last in different offensive categories in the Mountain West. Oh, in, in the or NCAA. In, in the NCAA. I mean, it'll be both. But of the... Uh, because if you go to my preview, you can find that section. It will show just what the one that they're dead last in all of FBS. That's not good. So if you want to win those four tickets to go see hockey Friday night, 435-752-1069. And uh, correctly identify it. We'll give you four tickets to go see some hockey. Uh, meanwhile, a couple texts that have come through. 5374 saying, I came in late. Is it a USU player that left? No. It was two two more Colorado State players, and if I'm if I've tracked everybody that I'm aware of, that makes six players just within the last like two two and a half weeks. That's nuts to me. That's a lot of damage. That's four players just this week alone. They're gonna have a team. They're already and some of them are on defense, so it's like their defense was already okay at times. Now they're just who knows what. It's a shambles. Yeah. Uh, let's see, 9938. As football fans, were our expectations set too high for this year? I expected to compete for a Mountain West championship. I don't think the expectations were too high. We were expecting this team to have some talent. You know, returning you know, Mountain West Conference Championship, we did lose probably your top stars on offense and defense. You're supposed to be able to replace some of them. Um, we thought these wide receivers were talented. We thought the defense would maintain its, you know, most of its ability, you know, to create tackles for loss and create some turnovers. Um, and it's not like we didn't expect another 11 and two season. That would have been too high of an expectation. We expected them to come in, beat UConn, beat UNLV, beat Weber State, and. They didn't do two of those things. 
And I feel like those are solid expectations. Even with UNLV being better than we were probably expecting, they should have Utah State should have been able to beat UNLV. And if they hadn't, if they'd beat UNLV and Weber State, it's a completely different season. But because they were, you know, so far behind and just not getting the season started properly, you know, they failed to meet what I think were reasonable expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations were high. And you had the coach back, offensive coordinator back, defensive coordinator back, starting quarterback was coming back. You had your running back. You know, a lot of key personnel, Your one of your top receivers was back. Um, there were a lot of key personnel that were returning. And so it was justified to have some excitement and hype around this team. But I think we underestimated the leadership loss, not just the, the you know, their their position and how they performed on the field, but I think we over uh, or we underestimated the the leadership loss from last year's team. It's taken a while for that to develop and show itself for this year's team. Yeah, and the ability for this team to really push themselves the way last year's team pushed themselves. Yes, true. Uh, Five three three eight texting in. Maybe the Rams will play eight man football on Saturday. <laughs> they may have to. Uh, also, the hockey team can exact revenge on Weber State for the football game. Yes. That'd be nice. Yeah, this is a chippy rivalry. Like, obviously, we don't think of Weber State as the rivalry. You think of Utah, BYU, but in hockey, it's Weber it's State. It's Weber State. Has that's, been for a long time. That's the one. It's not just that they're both teams are on a similar level. Utah State's kind of been above Weber State for the last little bit. Well, not always. Weber State's at times put together better teams than Utah State for a year. Um, so it's not just that they're both kind of in a similar competitive. Uh, range, they don't like each other. It gets chippy. It's a real rivalry. So it, it's it's really fun to watch these games. Yeah, and I'd love to have somebody go watch it in person. I've got four tickets to go see them. Four three five seven five two one zero six nine. Name one of the six categories in which Colorado State is dead last in different offensive categories. If you're reading my preview, it's 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 there. 7 o'clock, Eccles Ice Arena. It will be the teddy bear toss. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, go pull it up and do your research and get the answer. CashValleyDaily.com. In the meantime, we're going to take another time out here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, uh, preseason NBA is underway. And how are Namish Keta and Sam Merrill doing for the Sacramento Kings? Provide an update on that. We'll also have our pick six coming up. Stick around. It's on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. SC Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. Couples throughout the state buy their rings from SC Needham Jewelers because of our low prices, extensive ring selection, and extraordinary benefits and services with financing available. Go to scneedham.com to learn more. We have many unique and beautiful engagement rings starting at $500. You'll find affordable engagement rings with our integrity price guarantee. This is why we are where Utah gets engaged. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Hey, it's Jackson with Mountain West Motor. 
We love the Cache Valley. Thank you for all of your support since we opened in February. Every one of our rigs is built for your adventure. We invite you to stop by at 615 North Main when thinking about a new rig. At Mountain West Motor, we have Ford Broncos, Ram TRXs, but also keep in mind we have great price point rigs starting at 20 k Check our website for current inventory and pricing at mwmotor.com. And for news and events, follow us on Instagram at mwmotor.co. Mountain West Motor, built for your adventure. Clean it up and get it out before the snow flies. Don't wait another winter. Let DD Auto and Salvage pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. Daryl's Appliance provides the best repair service. Daryl's techs are trained to pre-diagnose your repair problem before they arrive at your home, so it can be completed on their first trip. As a plus, Daryl's parts department is stocked from A to Z for you do-it-yourselfers. And Daryl's has used parts to save you money. Dishwasher baskets, bake elements, microwave trays, and more. For sales and service since 1970, it's Daryl's Appliance, west on Airport Road. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence and Cache Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical clinic located at 2245 North, 400 East in North Logan, just south of Cache Valley Hospital. The entire staff and Dr. Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North, 400 East in North Logan. Go to cachevalleyent.com for details. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Mountain West Motor, they have a selection of trucks and SUVs that have been specially customized for your next adventure. Go check them out. They've got a great selection of vehicles on their lot, starting at $20,000. Visit their website for current inventory and pricing to make sure to follow them on Instagram for current promos and events. That's Mountain West Motor. So we've been grading Utah State midterm grades. We've been trying to give away tickets to go see Utah State Club Hockey on Friday night. Still opportunity for you to go. Call in and uh, identify... A different offensive statistical category where Colorado State is dead last. There's quite a few. <laughs> they're dead last in the country in a number of them, but they're also dead last in quite a few throughout the Mountain West. Uh, I, I talked about this the other day. There are like you know, 74 different statistical categories that the Mountain West tracks, and then they release it in their weekly release. Offense, defense, special teams, covers a lot of different things. 74 different ones. Colorado State is last or second to last in 35 of those 74 categories. That's pretty bad. That's not That's not great. Like, we thought Utah State was bad at times. Like I said, Colorado State may be one of the biggest meltdowns we've seen based on preseason expectations and what they did, like this side of Texas. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, 435-339-0321 if you want to text in on those topics. 
uh, grading the team in midterms as well. Uh, 1570 texting in. I think Coach Anderson's been too loyal to Bonner and should have benched him sooner because I don't think that he's been healthy at all this year. I think they would have had two more wins if Bonner would have been benched. Seems like the team is playing harder since he's been benched. Maybe the team felt that way also. Yeah, that's something that I was never as low on Bonner. Partly because when we first saw Lagaw, when we were seeing him in some of these other situations, he wasn't playing as good as he's been against, uh, or mostly just um, Air Force. Because he had iffy situations at BYU too. He made bad reads. And he made, you know, poor throws in the spring scrimmages. So based off what at least I'd been seeing, I know Coach got to see him in practice, whereas I didn't. You know, and it was why I wasn't as quick as everybody else to bail on Bonner. Because I was like, I didn't see it in Lagai, you know, the way some of these other people were. I was looking at the stats and what I'd seen on films. Like, he wasn't playing the way on film and in his stats as, as he was against uh, Air Force. That was almost completely out of left field where he was just that good. Yeah, I, I think that there was certainly an element of loyalty to Bonner. But at the same time, I think that the coaches felt like he earned that right to be in there by how he played last season and earned the opportunity to have a little bit longer leash, even though he said he had a short leash. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. the UNLV game was just coaches trying to prove something to everybody. But Yeah. They were, they were trying to have their cake and eat it, too, talk out of both sides of their mouth, where yeah. they were trying to – you know, placate the fans by saying, look, if he plays bad, yeah, we'll bench him, we'll listen to you. But in reality, no, we won't. Yeah, we're going to keep playing him, even if he throws five interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> but again, two of those I think I can live with. <laughs> so I was like, again, like, I was not never as down on Bonner as some other people were. Yeah. And I think he's he's gotten a worse rep than he deserved. Um. And Lagarde had his mistakes too, but right now, as far as the, how how Lagarde's playing, then if Lagarde, if he if we'd had Lagarde the way he played against Air Force for the Weber State and UNLV games, Utah State might very well win those two games. Maybe very different outcomes. Next again, the wide receivers played their inability to get open played a much bigger role in the Weber State loss than any quarterback play. So that's why it's for UNLV probably for Weber State. It it depends. Uh, seven eight five four. Two questions. Do we know why players are leaving CSU? And regarding the Aggies, I think we're also underestimating losses on the offensive and defensive line coming into the season. Um, I don't know why players are leaving CSU, other than as we've talked about, they are bad in a lot of different ways, and there may be some players that are just like they're. They don't see a light at the end of the tunnels with their current situation, so they're getting out of there. I don't know. Yeah, losing itself already sucks for a lot of players, and they may want to bail on that. You know, Devin Tompkins was ready to bail on Utah State, probably because they were losing, and he lost hope in the vision of the team. Um, And then losing compounds other problems, things that you overlook. You know, okay, maybe the offensive coordinator is a bit of a jerk, but we're winning and he's doing a good job, so I don't care. But if you're losing and the offensive coordinator is being a jerk, yeah, all okay, that stuff's amplified. Then you're done. So, uh, But as far as, like, yeah, there were some losses on that offensive and defensive front for Utah State. And uh, I think we did underestimate 
some of their impact. I don't know. I don't think Quasar White was that good. No, but like Marcus Moore, you know. On the defensive line, yes. defensive line. Huge losses. Um, Yeah. But they replaced them for the most part. Again, the defensive line hasn't been the issue. So, yeah, you lose Henniger. That was huge. Um, Probably the biggest defensive loss, obviously, Rice, because they've not replaced him at all. But on the defensive line, they've kind of replaced it. Not so much the production and sacks. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm not in their own. I'm not as worried about the defensive line, even though they're probably the position group that got hit almost as bad as the wide receiver group did. Defensive line was holding up fine. The wide receiver core was not holding up fine at all for a while. 2603, the Weber loss and the UNLV loss, you can 100% put on the coaches, in my opinion. Now, the Weber loss, especially in some places, UNLV, if you believe as far as the coaches should have benched Bonner, which that's a fair position. I won't really talk you off of that. Um, you, you, you could put that. I think UNLV, the one thing about UNLV, though, is I think that's where the coaches began to turn it around. Yes. So that's why I'm a little more hesitant to put that one just on the coaches because I thought that's where their improvements that we've seen against BYU and uh, Air Force kind of began. Yeah, yeah, and I would agree with that. Uh, seven eight five four. How can you say that the Aggies have struggled all year stopping the run game? Uh, they've actually held their opponents below their averages on a lot of occasions. Yeah, it's. I mean the the running. That happened in Alabama. Came on quarterback scrambles, not designed runs. Uh, they held UNLV below their averages pretty significantly, clearly significantly against Air Force. I uh, thought they did pretty effective against the run against BYU. So maybe we're watching different tape. Seven eight five four. In a minute, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I'm gonna try and really quickly look something up as far as because I think. Numbers wise, I, I'm not. Don't I, get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that the Utah State rush defense has been awesome. Yeah, because that would be a stretch. But to is, say that they've been terrible and that they've been awful, I, I just don't think that's fair. Like the defense, numbers wise, they've struggled a little bit this season. Well, they've not been bad. Let me see where they are as far as rushing defense. Oh, I say it. Rushing defense has not been impressive. They're in, like, 119th in yards allowed per game. But, again, there's some context in there. Um, the Alabama one, obviously, was huge. Um, I think Weber State did pretty well against them. I should look up the uh, game logs now. Yeah, Weber State ran the ball on them. Yeah, Utah State's given up 200 yards a game in, in the rushing attack. Yeah, I know that's, that's not great. But when the defense partially, that's because the offense forced him to be on the field for so long. So that's why I don't, I don't know if I give them such a hard take because they were asked to do an unfair share of uh, their work of yeah. the load. And here's the thing: so you look at Utah State, first two games of the year, Connecticut, Alabama, they gave up 240 rushing yards to Connecticut. 278 to Alabama. We've talked about how there's a bit of context as far as the Alabama one where design runs, they did all right. Not good, but all right. Against UConn, first quarter was bad. Last three quarters, good, even above average. Really holding 
UConn's def- you know rush game, which was dominant in the first quarter, to very little. It's what facilitated you know the comeback in the second quarter and then holding UConn down the rest of the game. Against Weber State, you know, Weber State gets 199 yards rushing, but they only average three and a half yards per carry. Um, UNLV. We have someone trying to call the text line. Oh, is that what that noise is? <laughs> yes, I'm going to hang up on them. They'll okay. Call the text line. It won't work. Yeah, you got to call. If you want to call the studio, you got to call. Uh, it's 435-752-1069. I'm still hearing that in my ears. <laughs> I mean, maybe because you have it open, you you need to hang up on them. Oh, too. I thought if you hung up on them. Okay, that's what I would have thought. Um, but yeah, so Weber State, 3.6 yards per carry. You know, that's below NCAA average. UNLV, they rushed for two and a half yards per carry. BYU, 3.7 yards per carry. Air Force, 4.8 yards per carry. But Air Force is different. They're averaging like 6.9 yards per carry before coming into the Utah State game. So, again, there, there, there's context that's required here. <laughs> Stop calling. Are we getting spam calls? I don't know. Same same number. Yeah, so like... There's some context that needs to be added to the overall numbers that look bad. Because the first two games, you know, again, there's the context required of, yes, they gave up like 500 plus yards rushing, but it didn't make them a bad rushing defense. It's weird to kind of say that. (laughs) But again, that's why a lot of times you got to look at film. You got to look into a little more in depth. Context is important. Yeah, it's like that's where I say they're not an elite rushing defense, but they're a lot better than some of these raw numbers show. Uh, let's see, quick timeout here in the full court press. When we come back, some uh, quick thoughts about Sam and, and Nimi and our pick six. It's coming up next in the full court press. This is Jarek with Jarek's Fine Jewelry. This October is our 14th year anniversary. So to celebrate, we want to treat you to an anniversary date. Make it a date night on us. Come engagement ring or anniversary ring shopping at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. We have thousands of designs to choose from, including the newest custom designs. With no strings attached and no purchase necessary, we will buy your dinner at Bloom Eatery. The entire month of October, come in ring shopping and Bloom is on us. Make date night special. Make it Jarek's. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. Join the show by calling 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. It's a Thursday. Turn your mic on. It helps if the microphone is on. So we try to predict the things that might happen this weekend. Uh, Jason, you won. I'm in a two-week winning streak. Last week, so you get to decide if you want to go first or not. Uh, I'll let you go first this time. Okay. Utah Jazz taking on the Dallas Mavericks on Friday. Blocks by Walker Kessler. Setting the line at two and a half. Uh, I'm going to go under. Okay, I'm going to take the over. 
Okay, Michigan passing yards versus Penn State. 245 and a half. I have no clue if Michigan <laughs> can even throw the ball. I'm just going to say under because I have no clue what to- I'm talking about. All right, I'll take the over. Uh, and then Padres over the Dodgers when that series shifts to San Diego. Uh, Padres by one run. Just in the one game? Yes. Wait, who are they playing again? The Padres over the Dodgers by Dodgers? one run. Uh, over or under? Under. Because it means the Dodgers would win, basically. All right, I'm going to take the over. Okay. All right, so uh, so Jazz preseason. Combined points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, so the five main categories, combined of all those, for Jared Bant. Jared Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, on Friday over under fifteen and a half. Uh, I'm gonna take the under. I'm also gonna take the under. Uh, number two uh, tackles for loss by Utah State against Colorado State. Over under nine and a half. Ooh, uh, that's a lot. Um, I'm gonna take the. Uh, I'm gonna take the under. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. I'm going to take the over. Okay. I'm going to go bold here. Uh, and then last one, uh, goals scored by Region 11 teams in Saturday's girls' soccer games. Ooh. Over under eight and a half. So five teams total are playing. Will a combined score eight and a half goals between all of them? Uh, that's a really good line. I'm going to take the over. I'm also going to take the over. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, and then uh, tiebreaker. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into the tiebreaker. Um, pick the or just guess number of rushing yards by Jalen Hurts against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Whoever's closest wins. Rushing yards by Jalen Hurts. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna say eighty-nine. I got fifty-two. That's what I'll pick. Okay, I think I'm high. <laughs> A bit high, but who knows? His season high is 90, I think, so he's done it before. Yeah, he's done it before. That's true. Okay, so the six things we think might happen this weekend, uh, we'll track them, and on Monday we'll see how well we did. I'd love to have you play along as well, shouting out your radio, what they are. Um, I was in a hurry. So what were the combined stats for Vanderbilt that I'm tracking? So Uh, points? So points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Just the five major categories. Okay. Very good. Now I'll make sure I'll get it done right. So those are the six things we think might happen. Uh, by the way, since we have about a minute to go here, just an update on Sam Merrill and Namiya Keta for their how they're doing with the Sacramento Kings uh, against the uh, Lakers in their first game. Nimi had two rebounds, one assist, one block, and four points. Sam had uh, three rebounds, one assist, and six points against the the Trailblazers. Nimi had five rebounds, an assist, two blocks, and four points. Sam didn't play. And then against the Suns just the other day, uh, Nimi had two rebounds, two assists, one steal, but no points. And Sam had one rebound and three points. And so uh, Nimi had seven minutes, ten minutes, and ten minutes on the court. Merrill had nine and ten. Uh, the uh, Kings play the Lakers on Friday See if they get in the game to continue to improve their opportunities with the Kings. 
Yeah, that'd be nice. I think Nimi's got a chance to maybe get some minutes still on that two-way, so it's it's iffy for him. Hopefully Sam makes the team because I think he's on a camp deal. I think. I can't remember. I think you're right. So, got to impress. Yes. Yes. Fingers crossed. Uh, of course, Utah Jazz take on the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow night in Salt Lake City to wrap up their preseason. Uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks for tuning in. A reminder, you can go back and listen to any of our past episodes on 1069thefan.com.